Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the director and writer for God's Country, Julian Higgins. Did you see a red truck this morning in the canyon? It was parked in my driveway. Probably hunters, right? I don't know. I heard about you. Just didn't know it was this canyon. Did they threaten you at all? Not overtly, but I have definitely been made to feel threatened. Where are you from originally? New Orleans. I teach at the university. Out here, things are a little different. Most folks handle this sort of thing amongst themselves. I guess I'm not most folks. Should we call for backup? What backup? We've got two officers to cover 300 square miles. I don't feel safe in my own house. There isn't enough law in this whole state to make you feel safe. Behind you. Afternoon, gentlemen. Everybody step forward. You put your saws down. You take your masks off. A what? I wanted to ask you something. If I tell you, you have to promise you won't say anything. Tell me what? These guys keep coming back. Why do you think that is? Why do you care so much? Go back to sleep. Why don't you come inside? We can work it out. What's the matter? Hey, where are you going? I wonder sometimes how much you choose to be the person you are. Sometimes it feels like things never change. But I promise you, they do. They have to. Julian Higgins, first of all, thank you so much for uh, joining the Next Best Picture podcast here. How are you? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this movie with me because I saw this way, way back. It feels like forever ago. Sundance, virtually, at home, shook my soul. Thank you very much for that. And I was really excited to watch it again because it was definitely one of the more impressive films that I saw at the festival earlier this year. So congratulations on that because I saw quite a lot of films during that festival. I bet you did. I I, was really saying a lot because there were a lot of good movies in the festival this year. And um, I really appreciate that. I do hope you get to see it on a big screen sometime with some real big sound. Um, Because it's definitely 
you know, what I, I, the movies that inspired me when I was a kid were these epic films like Lawrence of Arabia and like Ron, stuff like that, you know, and um, I tried to make an epic movie with an independent film budget. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's designed to be seen on the big screen, so. I think that actually does come across because I want to talk about this opening shot in particular mm. and how you thematically set up the film here. With the empty classroom, this slow... Uh, what appears to be a dolly, I think, of the slideshow of the people that I'm assuming I'm reading into the message of the movie here. Basically, a slideshow of the people that white men have stolen everything from in the course of this country's history. Am I accurate in saying that? I mean, basically, like what you're what you're witnessing there is sort of this strange, abstract moment that you're mm-hmm. not sure. Like, you know, you've probably seen the trailer. You're sitting in a dark theater. You don't know really, you think you know what you're getting into. And then this like slideshow happens uh, in an abandoned classroom, like a high school classroom. And yeah, it's, it is, it is archival imagery of, you know, that was uh, photographs taken during the westward expansion. And you recognize the characters, you, there's the, you got your cowboys and your cavalry guys and, you know, the trains and the mining and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, it is designed to put the movie that you're about to watch in a historical context, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's not like a history lesson, that's more evocative and in some ways emotional, I hope. Um, Not that you're crying or whatever during it, but just that it has a feeling to it. And then hopefully that's in your mind as you watch the movie that you're, that, 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 that then happens. It's basically priming the audience to see what happens as part of a continuing story that started long ago, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really like what we were trying to um, convey with that. Um, at the very least, it's an intriguing way to open a movie. So <laughs> I agree, definitely. And in a lot of ways, too, this movie not only takes that frustration and anger and reckons with it, but it reckons it with it in such a way where there's actual pushback. There is some real action being taken um, against these injustices and atrocities that have befallen upon women, people of color. Um, And so what I love that Sandra exemplifies in this is strength, even if she has to resort to violent means to do so, because at the end of the day, what is being done against her is morally wrong. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's honestly, it's a country that was built on violence and Mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the violence that continues in our society is not some surface level problem that needs to be solved. It's part of the genesis of the country, you know, it's, um, and it's, and our westward expansion and obviously our history of slavery and, uh, you know, invasion and genocide, like these are all parts of our history. 
you know, and you can, you can still be an American and know all of that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not unpatriotic to know that, that information, uh, and to accept that these things happened. Um, the problem is when we refuse to acknowledge that these things happened and that Mm -hmm. we are responsible as a country, uh, that's what keeps us trapped in these cycles. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking a lot about, um, so Brian Stevenson, who started the Equal Justice Initiative and is just an incredible thinker on, you know, um, uh, the aftermath of uh, violence and what we can do. Um, he talks a lot about truth telling as the solution. And we can't have any of the things we want, restoration or anything like that, until we start telling the truth about things that happened. And that I think is where like those kinds of ideas intersect with making art, you know, yeah. like I see the, the role of the filmmakers as telling the truth about what we're seeing and what we're feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and the audience is smart enough to take that and think about it and, you know, do what they're going to do with it, you know, but I want to put some juicy stuff in front of people. I love that you have faith in the audience. Sometimes I don't have faith in the audience. I say this because, and I want to open this up to a bit of a dialogue here. Hmm. And I don't want to like necessarily reveal spoilers by saying this either, but the way that this movie does resolve itself. I imagine in this day and age, you have to walk a fine line where, you know, when you're expressing uh, character through acts of violence, you know, you got to be careful about not having that be misinterpreted by today's audiences. Are you condoning such violence, et cetera, et cetera, right? So can you just talk about like writing the screenplay and walking these very fine lines, not just even with uh, the films resorting to violence to break those cycles, like you said, but also too, in making sure that the way that you're talking about these cycles, these institutions that are built to keep everything status quo, how you're also exploring that in a way that is going to, um, as you're saying, like educate and be meaningful for people. Like, just, can you just talk about like that writing process? Well, I just want to be super clear. Like, this is not designed to, you know, and I know you're not saying this, but like, just no, 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 as, no, of course, as a starting point, like, I, it's not really an educational, you know, enterprise. What it really mm-hmm. is, it's like, it's almost more descriptive. It's like, we're feeling all these things. Clearly, there's these very uh, consequential uh, issues in the public conversation. And art is part of that conversation, you know, mm-hmm. like, whether we pretend we're not, we certainly are, you know, and there's no such thing as an apolitical movie. But that doesn't mean that you don't, uh, that you just tell people what your politics should be, you know? So for us, what we were trying to do in this very, like, you know, polarized uh, society that we live in, we were trying to deny, we were trying to make it hard for the audience to sort themselves into like the, you know, what they think is the right relation to the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, we want all the characters are human beings. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all trying to figure stuff out as best they can. Uh, they all make mistakes. You know, they're all um, trying to, you know, uh, to, to whatever degree they're trying to, like, live right. You know, um, and the it's not really in, in, in a certain way. It's the dynamics of the society that are much bigger than them that are the fault here, you mm-hmm. know. And there's a scene in the movie where, you know, uh, one of our our protagonists and one of our, in air quotes, antagonists, <laughs> uh, you know, have a conversation together where they can actually hear each other for a moment, you know? The the church scene? In the church scene, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a great scene. And, 
you know, and that that exists to sort of show to show they they get a chance to see each other in a way that they haven't yet. And then we are allowed as the audience to consider how come they can't cross that bridge together because we can see it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's 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 the that's the way we're posing the questions in this movie. It's not we're not trying to there's no monologue about who should have won the election. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's like it's dramatized through characters that hopefully are relatable human beings, no matter what you think of them. You can see that they're humans. I think that's extremely important. And um, I, I don't know. I, I could go on about this for a long time. But I, <laughs> I don't know. Is that is that uh, you said you wanted? No. To I, yeah. So I mean, your... just even even hearing you talk about this, like in, in that descriptive sort of way, it, it, mm-hmm. it's helping so much with contextualization here, because um, I watched this movie and uh, everything that you're saying in terms of it challenging me as a viewer, uh, it happened. And I love that. I love, mm-hmm. love feeling that a lot of audience members I talk to don't like that sometimes. But for me, I the more cerebral, the better. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much it's it really is this chicken and egg thing that everyone's thinking about um, mm-hmm. as far as like, why are we getting the media that we're getting? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it because there's low expectations or is it because people aren't interested? You know, um, I I think that's an arbitrary choice that you make as mm-hmm. a as a creator. I, I choose to trust the audience. And, and not, and I don't want to, I don't like being talked down to as an audience member by a, by a piece of work. So I don't want to do that, you know? And I, I, you know, I'm also a teacher and I do feel like people rise as a general rule, people rise to elevated expectations, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you challenge a student and they're going to rise to the occasion, you know, if they, if they can. Yeah. And so I, I, that's kind of how I approach film as well. Like I, I just, want it to be i want to provoke curiosity i want people to participate i want people to fill in the blanks and that leads to a whole bunch of like aesthetic and creative decisions that i make as the director on set you know but that it's it's coming from like a way that i want this to work you know <laughs> now you said before you're a teacher sandra in the movie is also a yeah. teacher as well uh, are, are there other elements of uh, personal life that are injected uh throughout this screenplay oh definitely and i know for shay my uh, writing partner as well and for tandy way and for frankly like everyone who worked on this movie I-, I encouraged to you know give their experience to you know like that's that's part of the um this is you know it's not me in a room working by myself this is a team effort it's dozens of people and you know, in a movie like this, uh, it's very much a responsibility that I hold as the director to make sure that I'm not screwing it up. Yeah. You know, and so like I, like yes, absolutely. When Shay and I were writing the movie, there's so much in here about um, our mothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like Shay was raised by a single mom, and uh, you know he has always wanted to honor and um, you know represent people like his mom in genre storytelling, which is the kind of storytelling he loves, you know, which is why I wanted to work with him on this, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I grew up with a, you know, my mother is a, um, she teaches, she's a college professor. She teaches women and gender studies. She teaches film. She teaches literature. She's French, you know? So like, and I've seen her come home and talk about being a professor, a a woman in a, you know, Ivy league department, you know? Um, So Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. 
We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. You know, a lot of a lot of experiences, a lot of our experiences and the experience of people we love are in this movie. Um, a lot of our feelings about the world and about what's happening are in this movie. It's intensely personal for for me and certainly for others who made this movie. I'm running uh, short on time here because, quite frankly, I, I just love listening to you speak about this because, as I said before, this is one of the most thematically complex and uh, one of the most interesting movies that I've definitely seen this year. So as you said before, I I feel like this conversation could go on for hours. Definitely. Well, let's do it. No, no, no. We can't can't do that. Let's find another occasion. (laughs) I'm sure there are other people waiting to get a chance to speak with you. So uh, but I will say this. At the end of the movie, Sandra breaks the fourth wall, Mm. looking directly into the uh, camera at the audience. And the final shot of the movie, in many ways, I think, mirrors uh, the first shot in terms of that slow push in. So... Can you just talk about bookending the movie with that? And also, too, I know you're not going to answer this probably, but what do you think happens to Sandra at the end of the film? You're right about that. Um, (laughs) I figured I would uh, ask anyway, just in case. (laughs) No, it's great. I mean, uh, the so there actually there are a number. I'm I'm very happy you picked up. I mean, you know, there's there's a number of films that end with characters looking in the frame. Mm -hmm. I didn't I wanted this one to be different, but I, Mm -hmm. I do think that that's what needs to happen. So we set that up throughout the movie. There's actually a, a number of times in the movie where other characters look in the lens. Okay, and yeah. um, it's it's subtle, but like every one of the characters looks in the lens at some point or another. It's just that in the experience of the movie, you're with Sandra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the character with the other characters look at the lens, they're looking at her, you know, and you're experiencing her discomfort at being looked at a certain way as a black woman in this landscape, being looked at by the white men who really have all the power. And so you process it differently. At the end, Sandra is the person looking at you now. And that is designed to make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And based on the end of that movie, uh, what happens at the end um, I think it makes sense that you should be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I think her performance throughout, I mean, I, it was such a, it was so special for us to, to witness the whole, all the work she was doing is incredible. But, um, you know, we spent a whole day on that last shot. Yeah. Um, and what she's doing at the end of the movie there is so uh, complex and it's so f- full, like it's full of her experience and what she knows as a person. Uh, I think, you know, uh, it speaks for itself. And, you know, my thoughts on everything are in the movie. You know, my answer is the movie. This is the this is the film I made feeling the way I feel about the country and the situation here. So these are the kind of films that are speaking to me a lot lately. This uh, Vengeance is another one I just saw recently. Films that are like really asking some very complex questions and reckoning with the current state of our country. And I think that God's country definitely does so in a way that I like I said, 
I found it to be one of the more impactful films I have seen this year, especially after a second viewing. It resonated uh, tremendously so. Tandaway's uh, performance, your direction, the writing, and how it discusses these themes. I do want to ask, because it just it just has so much promise in it, what are you planning to do next? I need to know. Please tell me someone's <laughs> handing you a lot of money to do a three-hour Lawrence of Arabia epic or something along those lines. <laughs> well, you know, listen to this guy. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I am always trying to write something that matters a lot to me. You know, mm-hmm. right now I, I am working on another project. It's it's a uh, you know it is it is ostensibly it's a survival movie. That's the genre. Cool. Um, but it is uh, still touching on a lot of the things that matter to me, and it's it's also very loosely inspired by a very well known piece of uh, public domain literature. So these oh. <laughs> are I'll drop right now. Um, All right. But, uh, but hopefully it won't be too long before you get to see that. Okay. Very exciting stuff. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Really, really appreciate it. I really hope that people check out this film and definitely engage with it in the way that it was intended to be engaged with. uh, Because as we've discussed here, there's a lot of ideas in there that are worth discussing. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate how thoughtfully you've engaged with this movie. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. You have a good rest of your evening, okay? You too. Thank you. Take care. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for God's Country, Julian Higgins, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. God's Country will be playing in theaters on September 16th from IFC Films. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.